This is John Cackley, and welcome to Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Today I'm talking with Larry English, president of Centric Consulting and author of Office Optional. Good morning, Larry. How are you doing? I am wonderful. Great to talk to you again. Yes, always great, always a pleasure. So what we're doing here is, first of all, we're going to be doing a podcast, which will probably come out before this one, of some of Centric's top blogs in the last uh, in the last year sort of recapping them. And when I was reaching out to people about doing that, I, I also offered the option of getting into more depth and doing more of, a, more of an interview. And you were one of the folks who said, hey, I'd love to talk more. So that's what we're going to do here. The topic of your blog was basically new leadership skills or developing new leadership skills around a hybrid workplace. So yes. uh, tell me, first of all, just tell me a little bit more yeah, sure. So where the idea came from was we are in the middle of this, you know, crazy time of everybody figuring out how to be remote or hybrid. And it's changing so rapidly. It's changing monthly, basically. And now with the, you know, the continued uh, virus like Omicron and all that kind of stuff, it the date of everybody going back to the office is pushed mm-hmm. out. And now, you know, most mostly people joke, they're, they're like, you know, nobody's ever going back to the office full time, right? <laughs> and so we're we're there because we're in the middle of working with a lot of companies around this. We can start to see the long term trends mm-hmm. and and what the implications are of that. And so to give you a few examples, long term, we think you'll see teams distributed all over the world. Talent will not just reside within a 30-mile radius of your corporate headquarters. Uh, You'll probably spin up teams a lot more quickly, and you'll include freelance members, gig employees. Virtual interaction is going to become more the norm and not the exception. And the other big thing that you're seeing with this great, it's been called either the great resignation or the great migration, is people have gotten a taste of how much fuller their life can be and the balance that a remote job creates that they're going to demand it. And right. and the other side of that is it's been so hard on everybody that well-being, human well-being, employee well-being no longer is just like a nice to have. Companies and people want that incorporated into how companies operate. So all of those trends, you you put them out there and you're like, "Oh, wow." the the old school way of uh, leading for the last 70 years, kind of that hierarchical thing that came out of World War II and, and right. the corporations after that, that's no longer going to work. It is a different set of skills that our leaders of the future are going to have to learn and and know. And so that's and so we're like, what are those? And let's let's write about those. Okay. Great. So I've read a few other articles I think that were of a similar vein to yours, but they seem to focus more on management about how managers can't sort of stalk around among the cube farms and make sure people are doing their work and they can't go, oh, you're, you know, you've left your desk at 445 instead of five, you know, they can't do that. But I think it raises an interesting question, you know, the difference between leadership and management, because it can get a little blurry, I think, when we're when we're talking about these sort of skills. So, so first of all, totally generally, totally in the philosophy nature, how would you distinguish leadership and management? Sure. I would say management is really coordinating a plan with resources to accomplish a goal, and that doesn't necessarily have to mean people. Leadership is 
the ability to influence, inspire, motivate, and enable others towards a goal. <clears throat> and leadership is where the, that is much harder to achieve than the management piece of that. So learning to be curious, being empathetic, being present, those are much harder skill sets to develop. And so the, this crisis has led to companies needing to be very good at both, meaning you have to execute really well around the management of your company and how to do that. And then all the things that we just talked about, being a great leader when everybody's hurting and in crisis and also, you know, learning to do that in a virtual world when you can't see them every day, how do you motivate them? How do you inspire them? Those two, th- you know, the, both of those, you need both of those together to do well. Right. And you know, one thing I think that's really impressed me personally with Centric, because I've worked with another company that had a number of very similar principles and similar organizational structure, but didn't do some of the things that Centric did. What I'm talking about here is specifically Centric has the all-company meetings, the spring, summer, and, and holiday meetings, really designed around connection. And connection, I think, is really what we're – well, it's one of the key themes in your in your article, I think, to begin with. So I'm just curious, can you think of any uh, good examples over the years of how those all-company meetings have maybe driven connection – yeah, of course. So this is multi-layered, but uh, it, it sometimes helps to illustrate a story. And now, did you go on the New Orleans trip? No, I think that was right before I joined. Okay. Or maybe the year before, yeah. I, I like to tell the story, and I tell this in the book, because it helps people really understand how getting together in person it deepens your culture and deepens your relationships. It touches on an emotional level. We uh, have this tradition, as you know, of mm-hmm. taking everybody to uh, someplace fun in, in January. And one year we went down to New Orleans, and this was a couple of years after, a year after Hurricane Katrina. And we went down, we flew everybody down a day early to go help fix a community center that had been underwater for 30 days uh, because of Hurricane Katrina. And so we had our five bus loads pull up and not very skilled labor, but there were some people there. (laughs) They got, luckily they got some smart people that knew what they were doing, but we, you know, we did it all day and we were exhausted and tired. And, uh, and it was so cool because people in the community would just like stop their car in the middle of the street and jump out and hug you and thank you. Uh, right. for, for doing it. And then we drove all those buses back and there was commotion going on in front of the hotel. And I couldn't quite, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then our bus pulls up and we got off and the entire staff of the hotel had lined the entryway and they were clapping to thank us for helping their community. And so it still gives me chills right now to, to talk about it. And, and it always will. What that did for the connections with each other and how rewarding it felt I can't place an ROI on that. I can't <laughs> measure that, but right. that's huge. And so that that's just one la- level. And so I mentioned that it's multi-layered. When we get together, we get together in the U.S. three times a year, and it's super expensive, but we know what it does for building those relationships and energizing. And so when you're virtual, you, it, it doesn't mean you don't get together face-to-face. You have to be very thoughtful of when you do get together face-to-face and you use those um, strategically to make up for the, the fact that you aren't seeing everybody in person. And so we try to design those meetings like our spring meeting is more about unveiling our strategy for the year. But you know the business part of it is maybe 25%. 75% of it is little things that we do to make sure people are connecting. So you know, we'll change the seating order up and we'll mix teams up. So you're meeting new people and it's a chance to 
meet the people that you've interacted with virtually but never have seen in person. Right. We'll bring in motivational speakers. We'll do group exercises. And then we'll often do a charity event. Like one year we uh, built bicycles to give to the local um, charities for kids that didn't have them. All of those things are about shared experience and building deeper personal connections. So, yeah, the business stuff is okay and everybody wants to hear that. But the the real value is the other stuff. Right, right. I, I, I love the New Orleans story. It, uh, I mean, it gives me chills to hear it again. It, one thing I think is important for any company that has connections is the stories that we tell about our founding, you know, who we were and how it became who we, who we are now. And it's the fact that we still tell that story and it still has an impact today is a pretty, pretty significant thing. And I think it's also worth noting, you know, sometimes we have some of these events for connection and they don't quite work. And I'm thinking of a, a scavenger hunt in St. Louis in August. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I just went to the bar. Well, you got dumped with ice because that was the summer of the uh, of the ice bucket challenge. You and Eric and uh, Dave were getting ice dumped on your heads while the rest of us were standing around 105 degree heat going, yeah, I'm not doing this 50 item scavenger hunt in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's the autonomy we have. It's it's great. And, uh, you know, all those things. And you're, you're right. They build connection You know, in our current situation, you know, with uh, the hybrid model, as you say, all sorts of things going on. We can't take personal wellness for granted. If you saw somebody in Centric who seemed to be struggling with connection, what are some of the things that you would do on a one-on-one basis? Sure. So we learned this, gosh, because we've been remote for 20 plus years. We saw that if you had remote employees, super easy for them to be disconnected and not feel part of the organization. So we realized that early on. And what I encourage companies to do is it is very easy. People talk about a thin culture and a heavy culture. A thin culture, when you're coming through a computer screen, the barriers for um, somebody to leave are quite easy, right? And so you've got to overlay and build all of those multiple connections for that individual so they feel a part of the team and they feel that you know people are care care about them and are interested in them. And so, so what I'm trying to say is, I'll answer it in two two parts. One is, if you're going to be a hybrid or remote company, you want to design that stuff in so that a new employee is quickly getting integrated and they feel part of your organization and they don't feel disconnected from it if they're not coming into an office every day. And there's lots of things that we do to do that. And so if your question is, hey, you know, if I saw that in a an organization that didn't have that, I would tell them, one, you have to you got a hard, you're going to have to, you know, address this individual need, but you're going to have to build the whole, the whole platform. So in our company where we already have a lot of those things, and I saw that somebody was disconnected, I would really want to dig in and figure out why some of the things that we're doing aren't working. But let me just give you a few of the things that, that you would typically do. So Uh HR uh, people that are much better than me, uh, term that they will use is frequency. So your frequency of check-ins when you are a virtual manager of employees needs to be much higher. So if I knew that somebody was disconnected, I would really up my frequency with that individual. And then also I would, 
not only me, but other people that, that they interact with, I would want to try and amp that up. So we, you know, we have these employee resource groups or affinity groups. So, you know, if a veteran joins our organization, we get them plugged into that virtual affinity group and they have a sense of belonging because they already have a group of people that they feel um, connected to or close to. So you want to have overlay as many of those different touch points to multiple groups within the organization. And then that, that person is going to feel connected. And then the final thing that I will say, and we talked about well-being, when somebody's disconnected or their work is suffering, many times there's something going on in their personal life. And we want to know the individual who really want to understand that so that we can maybe adjust things or accommodate their work schedule or whatever it is to help them through whatever personal issue that they've got going on. And so if you address that root cause, you're probably going to address the disconnected part as well. Great. Great. Appreciate that. For yourself, you, you obviously you've uh, worked in this sort of mode for a long time and, and the uh, pandemic has sort of uh, taken it all to 11. What are some of the things that you do personally to maintain and, and build on relationships with people that you know, you're not in the same place with? Sure. So the one when we started this podcast before we hit record, we caught up on a personal level. Right. Almost every interaction that I have, I want to catch up with the individual or their group on a personal level um, so that we can stay connected and we can stay close. Because if I know that person well, we're going to have a higher degree of trust and, you know, I can, I can help them out. So you know, that's, you know, that's number one and, and probably the most important one. And then related to that is you really want to get to know that person and their life and, and what they're all about. And then you understand them. And then if you can build in kind of fun touch points, you know, it can be sending a funny meme uh, via chat or just sending them a chat saying, what's up? It, it didn't have to be some reach out, but there's some kind of frequent uh, checkpoints. And then one of the fun ones, you know, this, our core purpose is to create unmatched experiences for mm-hmm. each other. And uh, I still remember being at the training session with you, the couch, and uh, <laughs> your very restricted diet of... <laughs> Quarter pounders with no cheese on them and had send something sending somebody out. They still messed up the cheese part, but doing those fun things to tell the person, I'm thinking of you, I care about you, th- that goes a long way. It does. I, I do definitely remember that. Somebody actually told me at the time that that was done as a as a prank that somebody getting it. But I didn't take it that. I took it as a as a genuine thing and uh, and I ate the cheeseburger. So I was uh, which was better than the wraps that were offered in the regular lunch by I might add. So and and I just want to throw it cuz we had our what we did for Chicago for our holiday dinners party, you know, cuz we we split it up. I think we've got we had seven or eight different ones. Uh we had them last Friday night and so I was in the a group on the sort of the Evanston Wilmette area and so our partner there hosted this at her house and did a couple things for that unmatched experience. First of all, you know, well, it was all Mediterranean food we brought in from a local restaurant. A sausage pizza was provided for me. So that's uh, <laughs> that's when you know your people. But here's the other thing. And this is probably even more significant because, you know, I'm used to going places and going, hey, I'm not going to eat that. And, and I'm fine. But one of our folks is a, a single mom with a couple of boys who are, I think, like five and eight and couldn't get a babysitter. And so we were trying to figure out, well, what can we do? So the partner worked out, hey, 
we've got a bunch of stuff here in the basement. We've got Legos. We've got Brio. we got drawing stuff. Bring the kids. Bring the boys. Boys were there. They had a good time. And, uh, and they had a cheese pizza. I'll just mention that. But it was just... <laughs> It's those things of trying to make people stay connected because without those things, you know, that person might not have made it to the uh, to the event. And so I think that's that's definitely uh, a couple more great stories about that, which I really appreciated. I love it. Touching base on a, on a couple of things that we just covered, but maybe a, a new angle to this. I was doing an interview the other day with a new candidate for Centric, and he talked about doing a I guess it was some sort of a virtual conference on machine learning. Uh, I guess typically in the past it had been in person, but now it had to be done uh, virtually. And it was something where a lot of preparation needed a lot of people joining in. And his observation was, even though it opened it up to people around the world, what actually happened was the only people he felt he could really count on to get things done in, t- in time for this were the people he had had a personal, you know, in-person relationship with in the past. So first of all, I think that says, you know, that's that's why this is hybrid. We're not going totally virtual. You need to still build those relationships. But the thing is, what recommendations would you make to say, hey, you're you're going to have people you're, you're never going to physically meet. How do you build that level of, of trust where you can depend on each other, not just for making it to a phone call, but doing work? Sure. So let me just say that you can absolutely build the same level of deep relationships virtually that you can in person, but you have to use kind of different tactics. And so I'll give you a few examples. One that I talk about all the time is vulnerability. Vulnerability is actually a shortcut to trust. And so if you can be vulnerable with each other and say, you know, I don't have the answers. This is what I'm worried about. Being human, being real. The other person realizes that and they begin to trust you more. That's important. I don't know if you were at one of the company meetings where we had the outside group speak and and there's different techniques that you can use and i don't know if you so the one I was, was at that one i know what you're talking about yeah so there's yeah. the red yellow and green cards mm-hmm. and there are questions that you ask each other to get to know the person and green might be what's your favorite sports team it's really you know innocuous it's it's minor and then you get up to red and it's like hey what's your deepest fear and you're getting <laughs> you're getting vulnerable you're getting real right intentionally doing that stuff is how you get to know that person more and all the stuff that we just talked about, knowing them on a personal level and what makes them tick, all those things add up and you start to, to, to develop a deeper and deeper level of trust. And then, the, you know, the more you work on each other and you see that you can rely on each other and you want to rely on each other, you, you can get that trust to the same level as if you were working, sitting next to them in a cube. Yeah, yeah d- definitely. I think that's great examples there. My current project I've been on uh Gosh, it's well over a year. And the very first day, the first time I was meeting my client, he shared something very vulnerable about conditions uh, of his kids and how now partly he was saying that because like, hey, I might have to jump off a call or I may be driving to a doctor, different things like that. He was doing it for that purpose, but it was also vulnerability. And I was OK. I, I came back and met. Ma- won't say it matched. It wasn't uh, wasn't a competition, but I shared something equally vulnerable with him, and I think it's built a great relationship. We've never met. We may never meet, <laughs> just in circumstances. But it really helped develop that. I want to shift to one other thing, just sort of in terms of the future of hybrid work, and and see. You're I know you're right on top of these things. I saw a number the other day, and I'm curious what if you've seen things similar. It was saying 11 percent of I guess people working in the U.S. were still basically remote, and it made it sound like just about everybody else is going back in the office regularly. That number sounded really too low to me. 
any it's not, that's that's what i don't know what that number is but that's way off <laughs> <laughs> okay you know there's obviously lots of studies coming out but i would say nine out of 10 companies this was a mckenzie study are going to adopt a hybrid model and so it's really interesting what i would say the trend over the last couple of months is ceos that have had all their success in being in the office and they grew up that way have they're just like everybody's coming back in the office this is the way it's going to be and because now employees have so many options to go work remote they're like well mr ceo i'm out of here and so <laughs> and and the hr folks are like wait wait, wait time out it's forcing those ceos who would never do it to do it because I, as an example i talked to one fortune you know 50 ceo and he's like I want everybody back in the office, but I also would like people to work for my company. <laughs> so I think we're way past the, the tipping point. We are never um, going back to that in office. And I see in Columbus, Ohio, the vacancy rate is like 20% for businesses. And it's actually quite higher, but people sign seven or eight year leases. The number that you saw is wrong. Is basically what I would say. Yeah, sounds like it. It does sound like it. Oh, I know I, I read another interesting article. Obviously, we're talking about the Great Resignation. One article I read was saying, hey, you don't have to resign to take advantage of it. This is an, an interesting point where we don't know all of the impacts this is going to have in terms of the, the relative power between employers and employees. And some of it may be just saying, hey, I want more flexibility. I want these conditions. Some of it may change things at a, at a massive level of you know, how, the way, how jobs are structured you know, how we how we work with our companies. You know, a lot of different things could happen there. I don't know, maybe we're sort of in a short-term shift for some of that, but it, it does seem like there are a lot of opportunities for hopefully some positive change. Well, the I think it's a revolution of how people learn to work and live and so that their life has more balance in it and they can do the things that are really inspiring. It frees them to do that. Some of the trends that we see are this it's so much now easier it's so much easier to be a freelance or a gig gigster because there's 300 platforms out there and so there's a lot of statistics that say hey 50 percent of the knowledge workers are going to be free all freelance workers by 2030 that might be high i don't know but i see that trend happening and then the other kind of interesting trend that is out there is the idea of companies needing to switch from talent acquisition to talent on demand. And so mm -hmm. uh, right. kind of thinking of it as I leverage gig workers or freelancers or individuals as opposed to hire the, hiring them full time uh, when, when I need them. And from the individual, they have more flexibility. They can do different jobs. And I'll give you an example. We had one employee and he said, I would like to work for you guys until the summer. And then I would like to take three months off in the summer and I'll come back after that. I'm going to take my <laughs> RV out. He's like, can you design a Pa package for me and I'm, we're like you know what we're gonna figure it out yeah i've thought of that scheme i, I like that scheme yeah <laughs> yeah all right cool i think we've had a lot of great uh, great things hopefully people also check out your uh, your book and blog articles anything any last thoughts you want to leave us with as we wrap up i would just say i because i'm in the middle of this i see the future and it is a better way to work and live and it is a better way for companies as well but uh, if you're still fighting it, <laughs> please jump on board because it'll make your life a lot easier. <laughs> Definitely.
Definitely. This has been Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Thanks to Larry English for joining me today, and thank you for listening.